0: Like Katie and the Reverend Tutu, I want to talk to you about dreams this morning and beautiful dreamers, and one beautiful dreamer from the Hebrew Bible is Joseph. We rabbis, priests, and pastors are eternally grateful to Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice for making this story familiar to the English-speaking world through Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Genesis 37, this is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any other of his children because Joseph was the son of Jacob's old age, and Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colors. But when Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Joseph's brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of the dream. Joseph had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have another dream. The sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. So Joseph's brothers were jealous. Now Joseph's brothers went to pasture the flock near Shechem. And Jacob said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. Joseph answered, Here I am. And he came to Shechem, and Joseph's brothers saw him from a distance, and before he came close to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, and we'll say that a wild animal came to devour him. The way St. Matthew tells the story of the birth of Jesus, the most important character in the story, even more than Mary and Jesus, is another beautiful dreamer named Joseph. And Joseph has three beautiful but harrowing dreams in the Nativity story, and here they are from Matthew 1 and 2. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mary's husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when Joseph had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a second dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Later, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, "'Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead.'" And then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel Pray with me, please. Fearless God, who came in a dream to Joseph, dream through us and you today. Speak into our places of fear. Transcend and transform all that keeps us from living your dream. Amen. One Saturday during my seminary years, my wife and I took our golden retriever to the Jersey Shore so that she could learn to swim in the ocean. So she spent about five hours that day combating the waves, trying to overcome the surf, and she had a blast, and for the rest of her life we could never keep her out of the water. That evening when we went home, she fell instantly into a deep sleep, and about an hour later, still laying on her side and dead to the world, she started squealing with quite a bit of intensity, and her muscles were twitching, and her paws were churning. And it was kind of violent. My wife and I were terrified. We thought she was having a seizure or something. But she was just dreaming. In her slumbering imagination, she was still combating the waves in the ocean. I give a week's salary to find out what dogs dream about when they dream. For dogs and for humans, some dreams are wonderful. Our subconscious spins alternate realities for us. Do any of you watch this Amazon show called The Man in the High Castle? That show has a lot of fun spinning variant futures. That's what dreams are like. Sometimes your somnolent mind will create this beautiful world for you, ex nihilo. And you're just disconsolate when the alarm clock explodes your virtual world. And other times, of course, your subconscious betrays you with nightmares so terrifying you wake up in a cold sweat with your heart racing so that your return to reality is a vast mercy. Many of us have dreams about falling from a high place or sitting for an exam that we have not prepared for. My recurrent nightmare, of course, is stepping into a pulpit with no preparation. Happens all the time. Sometimes a nightmare will haunt you for days afterward. Even the best dreams can be dangerous. Some of them can get you killed. One day, Joseph, son of Jacob, dreams a dream where he is far superior to his 11 brothers. Ten of those 11 brothers, by the way, are older than he. But somehow, in Joseph's dream, they are inferior and subordinate. A little while later, he has a second dream with just a little twist. Same dream with just a little bit different twist. And not only does Joseph dream these dreams, he tells his brother, brothers about them. Does anybody have a brother or a sister who not only dreams a dream like this, but has the chutzpah to tell you about it? You better not answer that. And Joseph's unseemly dream, of course, makes his 11 brothers seethe. Now this is understandable, right? Although their reaction is a bit extreme. After briefly considering fratricide, they sell him instead into slavery in Egypt, where Joseph goes on to enjoy a spectacular career in further dream interpretation and in the ministry of agriculture. Now, have you ever noticed that the way the Gospel of Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth is just really a retelling of that story of Israel and Egypt and Genesis and Exodus? Like the Torah... The Gospel of Matthew is divided into five sections or five books. It's a new Pentateuch, like the one from the Hebrew Bible. In the Gospel of Matthew, King Herod is a second Pharaoh who just wants to kill all the little Jewish babies. In the Gospel of Matthew, as in Genesis, there's a beautiful dreamer named Joseph who goes down into Egypt to save his family from certain destruction. And then the baby Jesus will grow up to be a second Moses who goes up to a high mountain to preach the Sermon on the Mount, which is really just a new Torah, a new set of commandments to supplement the first ten. Gospel of Matthew is Exodus Redux. And so like his namesake in Genesis, the New Testament Joseph is a beautiful dreamer, but his dreams are beautiful and harrowing. Dreams are often dangerous. Sometimes they can get you killed. And this is because dreams are not real, right? Dreams are virtual reality. They spin alternate futures for us. They're ghostly. They have no heft or substance. Remember that the ghosts from that movie Ghost from a few years ago? Especially the Patrick Swayze character. He's just a phantasm. You can walk right through him and never notice it. Dreams are like that. They're virtual reality. They're constructions of a future that does not exist and maybe never will. Do you remember that Yeats poem where the young man is courting his lover and he says to her, I wish I could spread a luxurious cloth beneath your feet like a red carpet. But I'm a poor man, and all I have are my dreams. Tread softly then, because I have spread my dreams beneath your feet. Remember that dreams are fragile. Remember that because someone you love has spread her dreams beneath your feet. Tread softly when your 12-year-old says, I will play for the Cubs someday. Tread softly when your high school junior says, I will study medicine at Johns Hopkins one day. Step lightly when your tiny chorister says, I will sing on Broadway one day. Step lightly because somebody has spread her dreams beneath your feet. Every year I'm so glad that the whole country takes one day to consider the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., but never more than this year because the nation seems so riven, so tense with distrust between the races, between the parties, between the classes. And it was so healing for me to revisit Martin Luther King's beautiful dream this week. You know, the March on Washington, of course, in 1963, August of 1963, commemorated the 100th anniversary year of the Emancipation Proclamation. 900 buses descended on the district. 12 trains came down from New York City alone. Some people walked from Brooklyn. One guy roller skated to D.C. from Chicago. Police guessed that the crowd numbered about 250,000 and the authorities expected all kinds of trouble and violence of course but the march turned out to be a near miracle of universal civility the police respected the marchers the marchers respected the police four people were arrested all of them white and dr king's speech there in the shadow of abraham lincoln is his most famous and probably the best piece of American oratory since Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural or maybe even the Gettysburg Address from exactly 100 years before. And if you recite a portion of that speech, I have a dream that someday, if you recite a portion of that speech to an American teenager, 97% of them will know its source. 97% can you believe that I don't think 97% of American teenagers know who Kim Kardashian is this is sacred American scripture but it almost wasn't it didn't start out so great dr. King was the tenth of ten speakers a lot of the marchers had already gone home and a couple of minutes into his speech he knew he was losing the crowd And the great gospel singer Mahalia Jackson was sitting behind him on the dais and she whispered to him, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. So he moved his script to the side of the podium and launched into this extempore riff that he'd given a hundred times before. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And then after that, it was just magic. It was eternal. By the way, this is neither here nor there, but did you know that Dr. King actually cribbed the best part of that speech from a Chicagoan? I didn't know that. Most beloved sections of that speech, Let Freedom Ring from Every Mountainside, were originally composed by a Chicago guy, Archibald J. Carey Jr., Chicago attorney, Chicago alderman, Chicago pastor at Quinn Chapel, AME Church, 24th Street between Wabash and Michigan. I think you can probably see it from the Stevenson. It's still there. Mr. Kerry originally delivered those words to the Republican National Convention in 1952 in Chicago. I didn't know that. I hope you appreciate all these little facts I dig up for you. <laughs> and the reason the I Have a Dream speech is a sacred American scripture, of course, is because he was so able... Almost uniquely at once, both to love and to challenge his country. It's a tough combination, whether you're a parent or a citizen, to love and to challenge grace and expectation, right? Martin knew that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were nothing but diaphanous dreams for many Americans. They had no heft or substance. They were just virtual reality. In 2013, 50th anniversary of the march on Washington, Time Magazine asked a bunch of prominent Americans to share their memories of the speech and the march. And one of these prominent Americans was Colin Powell. And he told Time Magazine... In August of 1963, I never heard of the speech or of the march. I was in Vietnam, and that horrible, ugly summer, I'd left my wife and my baby son in Birmingham, Alabama, that summer when Bull Connor was turning on the fire hoses and the Klan was burning down churches full of Sunday school children. And my father-in-law had to come over to live with my wife to keep watch over her while I was fighting for my country 8,000 miles away. For Secretary Powell in 1963, the Constitution was just a virtual reality. And Martin knew this. He knew it was just a diaphanous dream, but he also said forcefully over and over and over again that America was the only dream in the world worth striving for, right? He never gave up on us or on her. Someone said that Martin believed in America as if he'd written the Constitution and loved America as if he'd sewn the first flag. That's why he is a secular saint for us. And you know, that dangerous dream eventually got him killed because he asked more of us, white Americans and black Americans, he asked more of us than we thought we could give. And there are those 50 years later who would like to set the nation on fire by stoking the embers of fear, always faintly glowing, even in the best of us. There are those who will experience no emotion except hatred for the other and the different. But this dream will come true. You know, what happened at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston a year ago, last summer, would have broken Martin's heart. I know that. But I also know that Dr. King would have been at Dylan Roof's trial last week, pleading for his life because his dream was uncompromising. Never, ever, ever can you fight violence with violence. It doesn't work. And one day, this diaphanous dream, sometimes without heft and substance, will be more than alternate reality. It will take on flesh and blood and muscle and sinew and block and stone and steel and be as real as Mount Rushmore. And when that happens, all God's children, black people and white people, Protestants and Catholics, Jews and Gentiles, will be free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, Free at last. Amen.